Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have a great guest for you guys today. Keeping with the trend of bringing on lots of guests lately, because I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing from us all the time. We have Alex, who you might know, another Alex, not me, I'm not speaking in the third person, who you might know as Draft Film School on Twitter, a contributor at No Ceilings, where they're putting out some of the best independent draft coverage out there. And Gavin, talk about the draft we did in this first part of our two-part episode here. Yeah, we, we finally go deep on Shaden Sharp. I feel like he's a name that everyone is curious about. Everyone wants to know more about Alex because there's some great insight into his game where he ranks among some of the best shooting guard prospects over the last couple of years. Then we talk Benedict Matherin versus Johnny Davis, two names for the Knicks at number 11. And finally get into some Dyson Daniels talk because you guys want it. We want it. We had to do it. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube, taking in the sights and sounds every day instead of just the sounds. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and we are joined once again as i said in the intro by another alex uh alex too maybe i'll call him in this in this instance uh draft film school on twitter part of the no ceilings network i'm not going to hold this up any further because i'm excited to talk about shade and sharp so we'll get into that conversation right now all right as promised we have a very awesome guest today we have Draft Film School on Twitter. You might know him as Alex, or you might know him for his work at No Ceilings, where he works as a contributor. Alex, how you doing? I, I, we talked uh, with another person from No Ceilings recently as well. You guys are doing awesome work uh, on the draft front there. And I think this has probably been a pretty exciting time for you guys, right? Being your first draft cycle here coming to a head. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's been a whirlwind, really. We've kind of hit the ground running. We're putting out pieces every single day, pretty much, uh, at least five days a week. We've, we've covered a lot of different prospects, done a couple different different things on YouTube as well. Uh, and a lot of people seem to, you know, like what we're putting out there, which is always great to hear. So, yeah, I appreciate the support from you guys and everyone else in, uh, you know, the draft Twitter uh, community. Well, so you talk about prospects. There is one guy that I think has been sort of at the at the tip of everybody's tongue for the last, you know, week now, and that's Shaden Sharp. He's sort of, he's somehow simultaneously like a well-known commodity and a man of mystery. Um, he was the number one recruit in next year's class, uh, which is pretty impressive because next year's class preliminarily is, or I should say, next year's U.S.-based, you know, like high school class. Uh, yeah. Yama is obviously like the guy that, everybody wants next year and he's an international prospect, but you know, us based, he was the top high school 
recruit in the country going into next season. Declares early this year. Uh, his eligibility will be a little up in the air, and that's going to be for, I don't know, an arbitrator or something to figure out or just the NBA itself to rule on, like uh, lawyers. I, I don't know, whatever. Hopefully it gets sorted out in the next month, you know, or two months or so until the draft. Uh, but leaving all that aside, really interesting prospect. You know, he's, I, I believe, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, uh, has, you know, sort of that that prototypical shooting guard look about him, has that prototypical, like, shooting guard game. Although, of course, he's so young that maybe could be growing more. Could You know, I think he'll play like a wing, sort of. Uh, has flashes of a three-level score, really good athleticism. Uh, I'll stop talking about him, though, because I've only done preliminary research What's your take on Shaden Sharp and how high do you think he might end up rising in this draft considering he was considered the top high school high school prospect in the U.S. Uh, for next year's draft? Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's probably a lock to be a top 10 pick in this draft, even without really playing live basketball, I think, for well over a year now at this point. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned it from the top, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six shooting guard. Extremely athletic. The vertical pop is there. He will, you know, dunk over you like, like guys like Anthony Edwards and John Moran. Uh, might not be as much of a, you know, quick athlete like Jay Nivey, another, you know, top five guard in this class. But he really has the whole scoring package. Uh, step back, sidesteps, um, can beat his man off the dribble and pull up. Uh, can get to the basket, really has a full kind of fully fledged scoring package at such a young age, which is so rare. And I think that's why kind of NBA teams are going to be really interested in, in the top 10, especially in this class where, you know, there's a clear top four, it seems like. And after that, there's a bit of a drop off. So I think it wouldn't surprise me if you went number five, wouldn't surprise me if you went inside the top five, um, you know, four, three, anywhere in between that area. But at the end of the day, you mentioned he was, you know, the number one recruit coming out of high school. Um, you know, guys like uh, Jalen Duran and Imani Bates, I think, kind of helped that because they declared early as well. They were, you know, gunning for that number one spot coming out of high school, but they ended up coming to college a little earlier than, than Shane Sharp declared. So um, those are guys also that, you know, had mixed kind of freshman years coming out. But um, I, I don't know if either guy is kind of in the, the Knicks realm. Obviously, Imani Bates isn't eligible, but uh, for Shaden Sharp, I think he'd be, you know, a hell of a steal if somehow he falls to number 11 with the Knicks. I think it'd be a perfect fit. How, how do you think he compares to guys? I mean, I mean, you mentioned one of them, but Anthony Edwards two years ago and Jalen Green last year, because it feels like he's sort of the dude in that mold, for lack of a better term, in this year's draft. Um, would you say he's a notch below those guys, or is it just a case where, unlike those two, he didn't get, well, I mean, I know Jalen Green didn't get to show it in college either, but obviously the G League Ignite year. Um is he in the same group talent wise as those two? I'd say he's probably a notch below, um, but obviously those, those two guys are amazing. So it's not really a knock on yeah. Shaden Sharp's game at all. Uh, I, I think they're totally different. I think those two guys are probably, or at least Anthony Edwards, I think is probably more explosive off the dribble and it's just a stronger uh, player overall. Uh, Jalen green is more of kind of slithery athletic kind of guy, a lot skinnier, so he's probably more of a direct comp uh, to Shaden Sharp. Uh, they're built very similarly. Uh, they're both like to jump off two feet. Um, you know, they have some playmaking ability as well. I, I would say those two guys are kind of closer. And then Anthony Edwards is probably maybe a slight edge above both of them. 
but I would probably rank them, you know, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green, and Shaden Sharp in that order. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm really intrigued by Sharp. I, I think I think the whole man of mystery thing is a little much. You know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of pretty good high school tape on him because of how – I mean, he sort of rose up, uh, you know, boards, I guess, and, and, you know, recruiting rankings and stuff like that over the last few years. But there's, like, a decent number of his games that you can watch and, and a decent amount of tape that can be found on him. And, you know, I see everything that you see. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, back back in the day, it used to be no big deal to go after a guy that's coming out of high school that would flash mm-hmm. the sort of tape that he flashes. And now suddenly, because we have, you know, been in this like era of one and dones for so long now, it's like, well, we didn't get to see him against college competition. So how can we know? And, you know, maybe Bates it, that you mentioned, Imani Bates does sort of uh, hurt his stock potentially because Bates was viewed as such a, a high level uh, high school prospect, you know, had the the Sports Illustrated cover when he was like 14, 15 years old, like basically the yeah. LeBron treatment, you know, all that stuff. And then comes to Memphis and quite frankly, you know, really, really underwhelms his first season. Uh, and in fact, probably harms his stock like more than any prospect I can think of in, in quite some time um, with how, you know, just generally underwhelming and, and, uh, I guess like over encumbered he looked there or whatever in his role, but with Sharp it, it just doesn't look like he'll suffer that same like he would have suffered that same sort of fate had he played for Kentucky. Like he's just way more physically imposing. He's already, I mean, he of course he's still got growing to do because he's only like just going to be nineteen years old, but he looks pretty grown into his body. He doesn't look like like Bates, where you know Bates is kind of a stick figure still at this point. Um, you know, and Sharp just seems so much more, I don't know, ready for the NBA. I guess, like, what do you think about his NBA readiness? Like, you know, I know, I know there's always a level of patience when you draft guys that are that young. Um, we certainly, you know, from a Knicks perspective, seen it with R.J. Barrett, who was even more built and NBA ready, you know, as far as his body goes and everything as a, you know, a first-year player in the NBA, but as a 19-year-old. I mean, what do, what do you think about Sharp? Like, would he be ready to contribute right away you think in some meaningful way or do you think that especially on a Tibbs coach team we'd probably be looking at him almost redshirt for a year if he ends up on the Knicks yeah I think there's definitely going to be some growing pains just based off of the lack of reps that he's gotten over the year Um, you know he was practicing at Kentucky but you can't really simulate live in-game reps with with practice no matter how good you know your college basketball team is it's just not the same so I think there's going to be a step up, obviously, in that standpoint, but also just the way he plays, the way he scores. It's a lot of self-created shots, which obviously going straight from high school and EYBL to the NBA, there's going to be a dip in efficiency. It's almost impossible for there not to be, even with you know the increased spacing that the NBA gives you. It's just there's guys are better, much better, much longer, much more athletic faster, stronger, you name it. So I could see him struggling to really find his footing, um, especially coming to the Knicks where I get kind of infrequent minutes. Uh, If he goes to a team like an OKC, for example, where right off the bat, they can give him 25, 30 minutes a game and they don't really care. They'll let him work through the struggles. I think that would probably be a better growing, um, you know, plan for him developmentally. Um, 
but at the end of the day, I think if he does go to the Knicks, I think they can also develop him slowly. And then that might actually work out for him in the long run. Um, you know, might not take as much of a hit to his confidence. You know, if he comes out shooting 30% from the field, his rookie year playing 30 minutes a game and things just aren't clicking for him, you know, mentally, what does that do for him? I, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, but if he's playing, you know, more like 10 to 12 minutes in, you know, a, you know, lower sized role on the Knicks, more spot up shooting, let the game come to him, attacking closeouts, uh, you know, gain more confidence, gain more comfortability with the NBA game. I think bringing him along slowly might actually help him in the long run. But uh, I, I guess you really never know at this point. But it's just he just hasn't played in so long. It's tough to tell. All right, guys, uh, we will be back with Alex in just a second to debate Benedict Matherin um, against Johnny Davis, uh, which guy would be a better fit on the Knicks, which guy is just a better prospect overall. Um, but first, when we look towards the future, the future of the, all of these guys is just way too bright. You need some Shady Rays to protect those retinas. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes loss and broken protection for every pair. They will send you a brand new pair. If you lose them, no matter what happened, give them a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com. And use code Locked On to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code Locked On for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. All right, I want to move on to uh, two guys, maybe maybe a tiny bit more realistic that they end up in the Knicks range. Uh, Johnny Davis was someone I think more so when we were thinking the Knicks are going to be picking a little higher that we've talked about a decent amount on this podcast. And then Benedict Matherin, a guy who has come up a whole lot, maybe, maybe the number one name um, when you just kind of go over mock drafts associated with the New York Knicks. Uh, but Alex, I wanted to throw it to you between those two guys. Um, who do you, who do you like more in a vacuum and, and who do you like more specifically as a potential fit on the Knicks? Yeah, so funny enough, these two guys are right next to each other on, on kind of my vacuum big board. Um, I have Matherin at eight and Johnny Davis at nine. So, th and th they're in the same tier. Uh, so nothing really too differentiated between the two, in my opinion. They're just play style is a little bit different. So depending on what team you're looking for, uh, what you're looking at, like for the Knicks, for example, probably want, um, I, gu I guess they can go, Either way, depending on what they do with Julius Randle. Uh, but if they want a guy who's more on-ball creator, uh, can you know create his own shot and whatnot, that's Johnny Davis to me. He did all of that for Wisconsin. He kind of had to. Uh, that He was basically their whole offense. He drove them to the NCAA tournament. Uh, he was really – they're one – really good plus offensive player. I uh, took whoa, a lot whoa, of whoa. Shots. Brad, Brad Davidson erasure, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> yeah. Not the biggest fan of Brad Davidson's for the NBA, at least. Um, That's fair. <laughs> uh, but no, he, he, he can really do it all from a shot creating standpoint. The shooting numbers aren't great, but I think again, that comes down to the shot selection, just so many difficult shots he had to attempt, uh, you know, double covered a lot of the time he can get to the rim. He has decent athleticism, so that's the kind of guy that I think if the Knicks, you know, aren't going to give the ball to RJ as much creating offense and 
maybe want quickly to be more off ball. I, I think he could fit with them a little bit. Um, but I think a better fit would be actually be Benedict Matherin for the Knicks. I think he's a more seamless fit. He's more of a catch and shoot guy, spot up guy, attack closeouts. He, he's a really good cutter off ball. He's a monster in transition, which, you know, him and Obi. RJ IQ on the break would be really fun to see in the garden. And I think he would be kind of a fan favorite. And I, I think he could just fit seamlessly with, even if they keep Julius Randall for the long term, I could see him, you know, eventually becoming kind of their starting two guard uh, next to RJ Barrett at the three, Randall at the four, and then slot in the five and the one, however you see fit for the future. I think that's kind of a good, kind of solid rotation there. And, you know, Johnny Davis would be more so if you want to give him more on-ball reps and you really believe in him as a creator, then I would go down that route and go with Davis over Matherin. So I think, you know, like you mentioned, they, they do both kind of have some of that ability to get, you know, inside and score. Uh, like, I think we definitely saw that with, with Matherin in the, the tournament mm-hmm. um, with how he played, particularly in some of those, uh, I, that TCU game stands out to me. That game was just crazy. Yeah. And they had a lot of size over, and, yeah. Yeah, he did a good job getting inside. They both, I think, are good rebounding guards um, for like a you know nominal shooting guards. I if I was gonna pick like one thing that one does better, like significantly better than the other, to my eye so far from watching them, I would say Matherin is definitely a better shooter at this moment, yeah. particularly on volume. Like I think Davis, it worries me a little bit that he saw his you know uptick in volume with his uptick in role this year. And at shooting around four attempts per game ends up shooting like 30%. And to your point, you know, some of that could be degree of difficulty. He was relied on quite a bit as sort of an offensive hub for Wisconsin. So, you know, that, that has something to do with it, but then his defense, you know, is, is really good. So he's, he's got that going for him. And I think that's sort of the question mark for Matherin, which guy would you feel more confident in overcoming their respective shortcomings Davis with the shooting and Matherin with the defense, or do you just feel like both they are probably projecting like they're going to figure those ends of their games out? I think it's, I think they're both going to figure it out at the end of the day. I don't think Johnny Davis is a 29% three point shooter. Again, he had such a large usage role that he needed to, to overcome just to, you're not going to get the same efficiency when you're doing that. A lot of off the dribble stuff, a lot of double teams. If you look at his catch and shoot numbers, they're much better. And, you know, on an NBA team with, you know, better players and, and you know, Ju- especially Julius Randle, you know, people still, I think, respect him and, and cover him pretty tightly. And RJ Barrett, I think there's going to be more space for him to operate uh, and, and get him just easier looks just to bump that percentage up to, even league average, I, I think would be fine. And then Matherin with the defense, I, I think he's going to be all right. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a lockdown guy, but if he is actually six seven, which he's listed at, uh, he does look. You know, I don't know how how what his wingspan is, but it's probably plus one, plus two, or something like that. I think just from that standpoint, the size alone, he'll be fine. And then there are kind of bits and pieces where if he's locked in, he could be like really, really good. He's shown that at Arizona, but then there's other times where, you know, he might lose a guy off ball or might not be, um, you know, as activated trying to stop his man at the point of attack. But if, you know, he comes to a Tibbs team, like you're not going to play if you don't play defense or you get smoked, you're, 
Tibbs is going to call a timeout and take you out in one second. So you, you better, you know, learn to play defense and at least, you know, try on that end. And I think having that and having his size, he's athletic. So I think from that standpoint, he'll be fine on the defensive end. And I don't really see any concerns really for either guy at the end of the day over their long term with, with the shooting uh, with Davis or the defense with Matherin. Um, another guy in the mix potentially for the Knicks at 11 is Dyson Daniels. And he's someone I feel like every time we, we bring him up on the podcast or you like mentioned an episode description, like pe- people kind of lose their minds a little bit. Like there, there's like this real fascination, this excitement. <laughs> Alex, Alex Wolf, certainly in that category. And me too. Um, me too. Yeah. Well, we both, so all, all Alex's love him. Um, yeah. But I, I'm kind of curious, like what's the, what's the fly in the ointment with this guy? Because, because on paper, the idea of putting him next to quickly, just like it makes, it, it makes me feel all warm inside. Like I love the idea of like a bigger guard who can share ball handling duties, but can also play off the ball, add some athleticism, add some versatility defensively, uh, like um, next to like this, this smaller um, high volume three point shooting orchestrator. Like to me, that that's a dream fit, but what am I missing there that would stop that from being kind of an ideal backcourt of the future for the Knicks? No, I'm a big fan of Dyson Jan- Daniels, and I think he'd be a good fit. If, you go to, if you're going to start a smaller guard, like quickly at the one, I think having a guy like Dyson Daniels next to him who's bigger, stronger, can defend multiple positions, probably one through three, one through four even, uh, depending on the matchup, obviously. But I think he'd be a perfect fit from a defensive standpoint and, and offensively you get a little bit of playmaking from both quickly and Daniels are either of them kind of, neither of them are, uh, you know, a Josh Giddy passing wise or John Moran or, or you know, Trey young, uh, but they're both very good. I think quickly has shown in his second year, he really improved on that end. Dyson Daniels has shown both in his, um, you know, international tape and his G league tape, that he's a really good passer, can play in the pick and roll, can attack closeouts uh, and, you know, drive and kick as well. So I think from a playmaking standpoint, you'll get enough from those two guard positions. And then if you add in RJ Barrett, who's, who's a decent playmaker, and then, you know, Julius Randle uh, as well, I think you have enough playmaking on the team there. Uh, the one thing that is a little iffy is the shooting. Uh, that's the one weakness right now for for Daniels. He's I think he shot around 29-30% uh, for the G League the full season, but he was a lot better later on. So I think he did improve. I think he did made some tweaks to his mechanics. I don't think he's ever going to be kind of this knockdown guy, but can he get to a point where he's as good as, say, R.J. Barrett is right now um, or R.J. Barrett was last year on catch-and-shoot opportunities? 100%. And all you have to do really is respectable enough on that end. And then it just opens everything up. Um, you know, the one dribble passes off of uh, attacking closeouts, um, pick and rolls, the defenders have to come up on you and can't just go under every screen. So it just opens up more plays, more scoring opportunities. But yeah, uh, I really like Dyson Daniels overall. And I think he really fits on any team, to be honest. Um, I buy the shooting a little bit more than probably a lot of other people. But at the end of the day, I'm buying in on this kid's defense um, and willingness to just play his ass off at the end of the day. Like he doesn't take plays off. He's only 18 years old, I think, maybe just turned 19. But he's one of the younger players in the draft. And he's been in kind of a developmental system his entire basketball career. So he's just consistently getting better. So I'm going to bank on him 
continuing that role and, and just getting better in pretty much every element of his game. All right, we're going to take our second break, but we will be back to talk about yours, mine, and maybe everyone's favorite prospect right now of the moment, Dyson Daniels, uh, to finish off the show. But first, I got to remind you all that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And you guys know what it is with Built Bars. They are amazing. One of the one of my favorite things to eat, not even just in the protein bar realm. I would honestly take Built Bars over a candy bar most of the time because they look like a candy bar. They taste like a candy bar. Regular Built Bars have that sort of chewy caramel-like texture of a candy bar. Or some of my new favorites, Built Puffs, taste like a chocolate-covered marshmallow, which is just insane. I, I don't know how to sell it to you better than that. Other than maybe to tell you that you can get yummy flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, or banana cream pie in Built Puffs if you haven't tried those yet. But the best part is, despite the fact that, you know, Built Bars look and taste like candy bars, they're not going to fill you with a bunch of garbage like a candy bar would. They're not going to fill you with all that sugar and all the calories and all the fat and all that other stuff that comes associated with having a little guilty pleasure of a, you know, a Snickers bar or whatever. Built Bars are just going to give you 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs compared to a whopping 17 grams of protein to help you recover from your workout or just give you a little energy boost to get through the day. You know, the Built Bars aren't just made for working out. They can just be a, a tasty snack throughout the day to give you some energy to draw from. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. What do you make of the uh, the really volatile, I guess, draft range that uh, we're seeing with Daniels? Because um, I mentioned this to, to Nathan uh, from No Ceilings uh, just like a week and change ago. But, you know, I feel like depending on where you go, he can be – you know, listed anywhere, Dyson Daniels, I mean, can be listed anywhere from, I don't know, the 18th pick to like the sixth. Um, and, you know, I think that speaks to how much do you believe in his ability to get better as a shooter and to perfect the things that he's like kind of good at, but not great at, you know, and how much do you love that physical profile? But like, I, I don't know, the more I'm looking at him, the more I'm thinking, what am I missing here that could ever let him even get to the Knicks? Because he just, with how well guys in his general mold have done with the LaMelo balls and the, um, you know, the Josh Giddies, like that tall guard. And, you know, like you said, probably not as good of a passer as either of those guys, but, you know, sort of makes up for it by being this like really switchable, awesome defender. Um, and, you know, looks like to me, at least that he has a pretty projectable jump shot, sort of like, LaMelo, if we're, if we're making comparisons where it's like didn't shoot well in his first mm -hmm. taste of pro ball, but it looks clean enough that I think he could start making it. Um, you know, what, what could potentially have him fall to the Knicks, I guess, would be my question. Like, or do you think that he's much like Sharp? Do you think he's going to be one of these guys that sort of shakes up the top 10 and, and maybe shakes someone else loose for the Knicks at the 11th pick, but he himself gets drafted higher? Yeah, I think it could be that situation where a team like the Spurs or the Wizards, I think they're both at eight and nine. Uh, I don't have the draft order in front of me, but I, I think he's a good fit on both of those teams. Um, and they pick right before the Knicks, so they might snag him. Uh, if you're pick, if he falls to the late teens, I think it's 
probably going to be workout driven. It maybe he doesn't look good in workouts. doesn't shoot the ball. Well, teams aren't um, really into the athleticism he shows or something like that, because at the end of the day, every team has access to the the tape, right? So I don't think there would be too much variance in uh, where he would go based off that. But, you know, seeing him in person at workouts, maybe that, you know, pushes him down some team's boards. Um, but for him, if he does fall to the Knicks, I would take him in, in no second. He would be kind of the number one guy on my board unless Matherin is still there. But I think both of those guys, unfortunately, will be will be gone. But hopefully the Knicks get a little bit lucky and either the lottery or teams liking other prospects. But if he does slip, it's probably going to be the shooting uh, or just totally workout driven and, and teams just aren't as impressed with him kind of up close in those settings. All right. That's it for this episode with Alex draft film school from no ceilings. But if you enjoyed this one, good news. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have more prospects to talk about with Alex, including Ochai Ajbaji. Uh, we'll also have Malachi Branham to talk about. We'll have Jeremy Sohan, Tari Eason, kind of talk about the the uh, comparison between those two and and how they could potentially fit in a Julius Randleless world. We'll also entertain the idea of like should the Knicks just trade the pick and roll with all the young players that they have on the roster already that they need to look at. There's a lot of great things coming up in the second part, so keep your ears out, keep your eyes out if you're on YouTube, and no matter where you are, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a five-star review or a thumbs up or even just leaving us a comment on youtube we love that the comment section is popping uh feel free to do so but until next time thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all tomorrow with more from alex